countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey! It is now time for more of the last comic shop! We're all about the niche here in our niche corner of the podcast universe. We're niching it out. But hey, welcome underneath our big comic book tent of niche products. <laughs> Very niche Zuck, Rock, Zarathustra, and all that stuff, right? <laughs> niche that's what we're doing? Yeah, yeah, it is true. We found out the other day we are a niche podcast, and I'm a niche host with the most, Andy Larson. Uh, and I'm joined by my niche co-hosts, Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. I don't know. It's Somebody told us that nobody reads comic books anymore. And we were out to change that. Exactly. Starting this week, we are changing the format. No longer are we going to be talking about comic books. We will now only focus on 1970s German EDM music, starting with Kraftwerk. <laughs> and the soundboard has all just been replaced by a giant fart machine. <laughs> That'll show them. That's how we take criticism here at the last comic shop. We don't want to be told that nobody reads comics. That's our whole deal. We read comics on this show, even though on today's program, we're actually also going to be talking about a movie. As you, <laughs> as you might have seen on our Twitter uh, and our also other social medias, we've been talking about the fact that it's movie May at the last comic shop. So all the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about a comic book and a movie that was based on that comic book. And we've got some great ones lined up for our upcoming weeks, uh, Judge Dredd and V for Vendetta and a lot of great ones. But today it was kind of like cake. It was handed to us because Dr. Strange came out. So we got to talk about that at some point during the show. And you're a good listener and stay tuned you'll hear a review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Or just skip ahead past the commercials to about 20 <laughs> minutes left to go. You'll find no, no, they don't do that. They got to hear comic books that these are based on, right? I won't lie, though. I am excited because for the first time in a long time, we're all going to be able to talk about a movie together. Unfortunately, during COVID, J.A. being in the Philippines, he wasn't getting the movies at the same time as they're being released in the States. So like he didn't get to see like Spider-Man at the same time as Chad and I did, but now that world is changed and now we all got to see. So stay tuned. And then we don't know exactly what point and the time of the podcast, really like 20 minutes or so, just give or take yeah. that fast forward selector. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shush, don't listen to Chad. You want to hear us talk about a Doctor Strange comic book. And uh, it was J.A.'s pick for this week. So, J.A., what was the Doctor Strange comic that we thought that we would educate everybody on? It was actually a reprint or remake, I guess you could say, of a comic that came out originally in the 70s by, at that time, Craig Russell, now P. Craig Russell. Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts in What Is It That Disturbs You, Stephen? Well, as you might know, if you're a longtime fan of The Last Comic Shop, this is actually the second P. Craig Russell book we've done in the last couple of months. A couple of weeks ago, we did his uh, adaptation of Norse mythology that he did based on uh, the works of his frequent collaborator, Neil Gaiman. He became P. Craig Russell sometime in the uh, early 80s when he started doing the uh, work on Eldrick 
that he did with Roy Thomas and uh, Michael T. Gilbert. And then eventually he won his Eisners for doing his adaptations of the Oscar Wilde fairy tales. J.A., who else worked on this one with P. Craig Russell? Sure. So he gets writer slash artist duties on this, but he also uh, worked with Mark Andrako. Lovin Kinzierski did the colors and Galen Showman tackled letters. So and uh, to go back to that first time it showed up as Doctor Strange King Size Annual Number One, that was actually the first stories that P.K. Russell submitted for Marvel. And they bought it right away. And he's like, oh, good. And then they didn't want to use it in the form he, he put it in. It's, uh, they ended up chopping it up with uh, Marv Wolfman doing some of the, the replotting and scripting. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, he wanted to go back and do something closer to what his original vision was. They ended up redoing the whole thing. And uh, Chad, why don't you give us the 10 cent synopsis? What happened? It starts off with Dr. Strange in a Chinese restaurant and he gets his fortune cookie and it asks him, what is it that disturbs you, Stephen? But it turns out that's not really what his fortune was. So Stephen Strange begins his journey to find out what's going on. And he sees those little weird hellion creatures that used to crawl around Marvel in the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Back like circa the Inferno days. Those are always fun. But they lead him to Ditkopolis. <laughs> it's based on Steve Ditko. Like it's, is it Ditko, Ditkopolis? Ditko. That, that's only one O. So Ditkopolis is how I'm going. I don't know. But he goes into Ditkopolis where he is immediately attacked by this mad sorceress named Electra. <laughs> uh, they fight for a little bit and that's fun. And then she says, ah, oh, you can't fight me for too long because I've got Wong. She's like, you got to do what I say. And he's like, okay. So then they get on a boat and they go on a boat and there's a big serpent creature that comes out. And she's like, watch me kill the serpent creature. And so she does. And then they get to Ditkopolis. Out. The reason she's bringing Doctor Strange there is because she is connected to her sister. Her father had divvied up the power betwixt the two, so one couldn't rule without the other, and so on and so forth. But the one sister wanted all the power because she had found someone that she had wanted as a mate who ended up falling in love with her sister. Oh, yes. Yeah. She wanted her sister out of the way. And so Doctor Strange gets involved, and then buildings come down, and then the story's over. Yeah, it's all about smooching angels. Like, there's this angel that's, like, all hunky. It's very, like, 1980s soap opera. Doctor Strange meets Dynasty. (laughs) Yeah, it's something. But, again, my initial thought is, I am really glad that I read this just because of the art. And I wanted to kind of pivot to that first. Uh, A lot of the times we read P. Craig Russell books because of the art. Like, the art was wonderful in some of the Norse mythology that we read. So, guys, what did you think of the art? Well... One of my problems I have with Doctor Strange sometimes is he's very, very much so like a DC character. And I mean that as an insult. (laughs) And that because he's the Sorcerer Supreme, he has all this magic. He's like Mr. McGuffin. He has every power you would ever need someone to have. And so the first time I read through this, I'm like, wow, this is a thing that's happening. But then I just went back again. And I looked at the pictures because Doctor Strange is like a DC character, but on drugs. And so that's what makes Doctor Strange special is he goes into all these different subdivisions of the mind. Or he might fight your nightmares or he might fight the dread Dormammu who's just showing up on TV and yelling at him for issues at a time. It's like uh, the, the poetry without a net. It's like the abstract poetry 
And when you look at this P. Craig Russell art, it's just so mind-boggling. And you have different water and different forms and shapes, and it's twisting and it's curving and it's, you know, little balls and droplets. And it's, you know, it's so surreal there. And then you have to go to the next panel and it's like these geometric boxes and lines and then the shattered glass imagery. And it's just, you read this for the imagery. You read this for when Electra and Dr. Strange are doing their spells and you see their fingers crinkling up in all these different weird poses. When they're riding a boat paddled along by skeletons and the serpent comes out, and you see the sad skeleton look up and be like, ah, crap. Like, <laughs> you're a skeleton, man. What do you care? <laughs> it, it, it's there to look at. And it, it's a visual meal is what you're getting out of this. And so, yeah, when you're like, let's talk about the art. I'm like, yeah, that's the good part. Okay, J.A., what did you think of the of the of the experience? Whether it was the art, whether it was the story, what what did you think? Well, I, the uh, the edition we had actually had one of the original form or how Marvel put it out in the annual after you read the remake. So I like being able to jump between sort of the old and the new and seeing the things he changed, which was everything except for one panel. You get a Marvel no prize if you could find the panel that was in both versions. Okay. Uh, so I like that. And, oh, you know, I don't want to just repeat what you said, Chad, but I really All do right. like the the idea is, is that it's so otherworldly. It's like one page you get a Salvador Dali painting and the next page you've gone cubist. You know, I think people like to do Stephen Strange stories. Artists probably like to draw Stephen Strange stories when they're out there because they can just have fun. They can they can channel sort of their art school trainings and like, OK, today I'm, I'm just going to do nothing but my homage to Pollock. So I'm just going to throw ink at the screen and then draw a little Stephen Strange in the corner and say that was the magic. Yeah. Uh, it's these big concepts, but they don't ever have any weight. They're very weightless, right? If you say that like Superman is, is the big cosmic hero and, you know, everything he does it affects the world and then Spider-Man works best as your friendly neighborhood and he's street level. Doctor Strange, yes, he's mystic, but you're like, yeah, but if he doesn't cast his spell, then like all of uh, humanity ceases to exist. But it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of weight to that. <laughs> You're right. You know, when I, I want to piggyback on some of the things that you said in terms of like the fact that like artists can just go crazy with a Doctor Strange story. And I think that all comes from its roots with the artist Steve Ditko, which is kind of awesome why, you know, P. Craig Russell includes a place. I'm going to call it Ditkoopolis because it makes more sense to me to add two O's. It's the wellspring. It's everything comes from the art of Steve Ditko. He was the first one to say, like, look, we're going to the dark dimension and it's going to look, you know, subatomic with like giant triangles with staircases going off to nowhere and like that visual craziness. And then I think anytime that Doctor Strange has done well is basically when people are doing homages to that. And luckily for us, P. Craig Russell does really great homages to not only kind of crazy stuff, but he also does high fantasy very well. If you listen to us talk about uh, Norse mythology. I said it on that show. I feel like him and Mike Mignola, whether it was, again, his work on Eldrick, whether it was work on Sandman, whether it was work on this book, it's a visual treat because it's not just swords and sorcery or something that you get out of Conan. It's very dark high fantasy, but not dark in the way of like, like it's like blood and guts. And it's it's very unsettling. And I like his faces. 
I really like his faces. Like this Electra person, she just gets to chew the scenery a lot of the time. She's like, look at me, this colossal Literally. She literally chews the scenery. She eats that dragon. <laughs> yeah. And that's how the story ends with her eating a bunch of scenery as well. Yes. Because <laughs> it all falls down on It's fun. But the story didn't matter. It was a MacGuffin in itself. It was a, it was a vehicle to get you to a place where you could tell an interesting visual story. So it was very simple. But at the same time, like I think most of the Doctor Strange books that I've read are kind of like that. The story really doesn't matter so much, unless, of course, he's going back in time and meeting Ben Franklin and allowing Clee to sleep with him. I mean, I guess that's, I guess, I, that's, the, that's the one that's like, yeah, I guess that story mattered. But. <laughs> Did it? It didn't. That's, it's a joke. But to, to Jay's point, most of the Doctor Strange stories are just a means to an end, a, a way of getting him snap his fingers and do his magical thing, which nobody understands like that. He is the god in the machine. And I, I will say, too, like we had the example where we could read that annual uh, with the Marv Wolfman serving as co-plotter and scripter. And I, I actually like that one better, even though there was more cut out of it. And I don't know whether it was because I had the benefit of seeing P. Craig Russell's vision earlier. What did you guys think? Though? Did, did you prefer the 1976 story versus the 96? I actually preferred the, the remake. I thought it flowed a little bit better. The 1970s one, I could see why they made the edits they did, but I, I thought that they cut a bit too much flesh off the bone. I preferred the second one, too, I think just because of what I've said, which is like I, I, I came here to see art. I get it, like, Marv Wolfman is, he's a really good writer. So, like, the fact that he could cut P. Kroger's stuff up a little bit and add it, get a little more cohesive or something. Sometimes that's all it takes is one rewrite. But at the same time, like, both stories weren't the best. It wasn't like I was, one was War and Peace and one was Daniel Steele novel. They were the same thing. I was just like, all right, so I might as well see better art. And, and yeah, really, the first one was better art. The 90s one. Yes, the 90s one. The first one in the collection. Which, speaking of which, this was a collection of other stories. Now, again, uh, one of the cool things that we are, about the collection that we particularly read was you got some other stories that P. Craig, or when he was just called Craig Russell, wrote either about Doctor Strange or other fantastic things. And one of the ones I wanted to bring up today was they had an awesome issue from a Marvel fanfare. It was a story where Spider-Man teams up with Scarlet Witch to fight, I think his name's Zandu, and he has the wand of Watoom. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because Scarlet Witch is in this new Doctor Strange movie. So, like, again, that's, I guess, another reason why, if people like the Doctor Strange movie, maybe you should click up this collection, because you get a, a pretty good Scarlet Witch story with Spider-Man. Right? I think you just liked it because it had Scarlet Witch in a bikini. <laughs> All right, I am a dirty old man, but it's it's beautiful art, and it was an it was an okay. Did you guys read any of the other stories that were included in the collection? I I did. I ended up having time to go through. Uh, first additional one we had was all about the build up to uh, Schumer Garath, and I was really excited because my only experience with Garath is through the Marvel versus Capcom games. I've never actually read any of the stories with him, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome, and then. They didn't include the second half of the story where he would be in it. It was just all the buildup. And so I, I, I was left out a little bit on that one. But it's crazy to me. And, and sometimes uh, P. Craig Russell had other artists he was working with. Like he might have been the anchor. He might have had other anchors. 
that like the variety of artistic stylings in this book, even though he had his hand as an integral part in each of these stories, it just blows my mind. Like how much an artist can change over the course of their career. You don't always know what you're going to get out of a guy. It's just, it's neat to me to see how far over the map he can, he can actually go. Yeah, if you, if you were to take all the creators off of these books and give them to somebody, I think they would be hard-pressed to say, oh, there's, you know, there's a thread that weaves these all together besides Doctor Strange. It's not like if you gave somebody Kirby across the years, everyone could always, oh, that's definitely Kirby. You know, that was right. Kirby R or Kirby Inks or something. I read the Marvel fanfare, The Light That Never Was story by Peter Gillis and Carmine Infantino, where Craig Russell did the inks on that. And that was interesting. It was, you know, it was this guy is jealous of Stephen Strange, wants to be a sorcerer. Stephen Strange says no. So he goes and, you know, buys a book and conjures up the dark realm. And then Stephen Strange needs to go save him. And at the end, he uh, he becomes like the the dark dimension Stephen Strange for a day and gets to defeat everyone and then save Stephen and oh. the girl. Yeah. It's never a good idea to skip ahead when practicing the dark arts. Right! Throw yeah. that out yeah. 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 Doctor Strange at least had to study for, I don't know how long he did. Like, he seemed like he was there for, like, a day. Oh, you're the best wizard ever. All right. Well, don't you remember the MCU? It sure might have just been a day, but he was there reading all those books with all those different <laughs> arms. Uh-huh. Flapping and going everywhere. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do think that Chad's got a more recent Doctor Strange book that maybe he can talk about during recommendations when we get oh, to that boy. section for sure. So maybe he can answer that question after the commercial break. We got to get to rating. Cha, what's our rating scale for this particular Doctor Strange book? I wanted to go one out of four Dickopolises. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. I have to add the O because it just sounds dirty. So we mean, are going to go uh, to one out of four magic realms. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off with Chad. Chad, what did you think? How many magical realms you given this? Yeah, because the story was not anything that really I related to, but the art was real pretty. I'm going to give it a, a 2.75 magic realms. I mean, sometimes it's just really fun to dip your toes into the surrealist waters. But uh, at the same time, like... After I read the story and set it down, I went back. I was like, what was that about again? (laughs) Totally forgot. You know, while I'm staring at the pictures, it's real nice. Once I'm done, it's gone. So 275. All right. I'm going to go a little bit lower with mine. I think I'm going to give it a two. This was an average Doctor Strange story. Again, you come to Doctor Strange stories for the art. So, I mean, and the art was tremendous in this. So that saved it from being like a a one. But the, the plot was... There was nothing to it. It was about a woman that, like, loved some dude, and the dude was in love with her sister. Like, that was the whole story. And then she brings Doctor Strange to be like, get this guy to fall in love with me. It's like some sort of, like, rom-com thing, but it's, like, all the magic and the weirdness. Now, I will say this, though. If you want to read more about Doctor Strange, this isn't a bad collection to get, because, again, you do get a nice sampling of a variety of different Doctor Strange stories from... A lot of different places, plus you get that Scarlet Witch story. So, like, it's not bad, but it's still just a two. J.A.? Yeah, I'm going to kind of split the two of you, I think, and go 2.5. The problem I had is that Stephen Strange in this story was pretty much just like a passenger the whole time. None of the events of this story affect him personally, except that he's stuck there and trying to get Wong out, right? 
it's all about Elektra and her sister and the angel. But you need Stephen Strange because nobody cares about Elektra and her sister and the angel. So then why are we getting a whole story about Elektra and her sister and the angel? And what was up with the question? Did that really even matter? Or was that, I, I, I was trying to figure that out. Like, what disturbs you, Stephen? Did we get the answer to that? Well, what did disturb him? Angel lust? I, I, I disturb love. Weird magic love. <laughs> well, we've got uh, not weird magic love, but recommendations. They're coming up right after these commercial breaks. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Did the Iron Fist Netflix series leave a bad taste in your mouth? Are you caught up in the hype of Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings? Have you ever wondered what these characters' true origins and adventures are like, but you don't have the time to read through hundreds and hundreds of issues? Then subscribe to the deadly podcast of Kung Fu, where I, JVD, traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Each week, I break down a story arc and discuss the good and the bad within the pages to save you hours of reading through comics so you can focus on the best of which each character has to offer. New episodes drop every Wednesday for you to listen to on your way to your local comic book shop to pick up your pull list. Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop and it is now time for our recommendations. Yes, that time of every single show where we tell you about some other Doctor Strange related books that you can go and pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to the P. Craig Russell collection of stories that we reviewed today. Now, what disturbs you, Chad, when it comes to <laughs> Doctor Strange? I like that. Yeah, it's a great segue. My big disturbing thing with Doctor Strange is how his stories rarely have weight. Like, you know, he shows up and just magics and, oh, good, the MacGuffin is here. And so Jason Aaron and uh, Chris Bocciolo must have felt my pain because in 2015, they set out to write a story that there is a price to be paid for magic. And it was real funny because he's at the, you know how the villains have the bar with no name? Yes. Well, so Doctor Strange in this book, they have the, the bar with no doors and it's where all the magician characters hang out. Do they, they drink butter beer there? Perhaps. <laughs> it's delicious. But uh, anywho, so the, the bartender there is like an actual magician guy. And he's bringing his drink and he's like, have you paid your tab, strange? You're like, what are you talking about? He's like, listen, anytime I would go out and use my magic, I would come home and drown a buddy. Because there has to be a price. But that is the, the theme, basically, of this Doctor Strange run. It's written by Jason Aaron, who had a tremendous Thor run that you're starting to see reflected in those previews. 
for the new Thor movie that just uh, dropped a, a few weeks ago. It has Chris Bocciolo and Chris Bocciolo's art style. I'll be a thousand percent honest. It doesn't always land with me because he has this dark, muddy art style that it's either going to work or it's not. And so sometimes he'll do Spider-Man stories and I'm like, eh, I don't know about this one. But he is an absolute perfect fit for Doctor Strange and the weird world. There's just so many things that Bocciolo does well. And at one point in the, the first trade, he's walking down the street and it's basically the premise is like, there are two things you see on the street. You see what, what's appearing in reality. And then Doctor Strange sees all these mystic creatures and things. And there's like giant demonic teddy bears and plants coming out to bite people. And it's like, that's the stuff the dogs are barking at when everybody's like, what are you barking at, dog? <laughs> but it allowed Chris Bocciolo to pull out the best of what he does. So there's all sorts of neat stuff and neat ideas and fun explorations of things in this story. And I've been talking about it for way too long. Uh, Jason Aaron and Chris Bocciolo, the 2015 run of Doctor Strange. I will say this, too, uh, for those folks that love J.A.'s favorite comic book delivery method, it has just recently come out in Omnibus. So you can get the whole run. I mean, Doctor Strange continued way after this, but you can get all 20 issues plus the two annuals Chad talked about all in an Omnibus. Uh, So next comes up with my recommendation. And again, kind of taking a page out of Chad's playbook in terms of the fact that like, hey, it's really hard to write Doctor Strange stories that have any weight or stakes. Well, the best way to get around that is to just not write the story about Doctor Strange, but write it about somebody that's more interesting. And it was the one I wanted to do on this show, but I was shouted down. And rightfully so, because it's not really a Doctor Strange book. He shows up, he kind of helps, but it's really a Doctor Doom story. It's probably one of the best Doctor Doom stories. As you may know on the last comic shop, I am a huge Doctor Doom fan. I think he's one of the most fascinating and interesting characters in all of comics. And you get one of his shining jewels on today's uh, recommendation. It is Triumph and Torment. Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom slash. And you can get it in a wonderful collection that has some additional stories that I'll talk about in just a second. But really, it's the story about how Doctor Doom every year has been going to fight Mephisto for the soul of his mother, who made a deal with him but didn't know what she was doing and ended up being cast into hell and is imprisoned there. And every year, Doctor Doom goes and tries to free her. And this time around... As a result of some uh, machinations by uh, the Vishanti, Doctor Strange has to help him. And in the end, Doctor Strange is really just a patsy that allows Doctor Doom's real plan to actually come to fruition. And so, although uh, I'm not going to give away all of it, it's done by Roger Stern on writing, who I love whether it was his run on Amazing Spider-Man, that's where you get things like his fight against the Juggernaut, the kid who collected Spider-Man, uh, all the, the Hobgoblin stuff. He also did Under Siege at the Avengers, the big storyline where the Avengers fight the Masters of Evil. So Roger Stern writes great stuff, and you get Mike Mignola doing all the art. So it's a tour de force. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't read Triumph and Torment, you need to, especially the new collection that has some interesting additional stories in there, including uh, a story that kind of sets everything up. Written by uh, Jerry Conway with uh, art by Gene Coland. It's called Though Some Call It Magic. And it basically sets up the fact that like Dr. Doom has been trying to free his mother every single year by battling the forces of hell. J.A., what's your recommendation? 
All right, so I'm recommending something we actually reviewed oh. uh, on this show last year. So we need some sort of sound of callback. I don't know. But anyways, it is what if magic became Sorcerer Supreme? And if you remember last year when we reviewed this, we reviewed a whole collection of new what if stories. And we felt in that review that the magic story was the best of the bunch. It was that one. And then the other ones, we kind of were like, yeah, this one's kind of good. This one's, But the magic one was like itself on a hill. Uh, and essentially, the what if in the story is what if Ileana Rasputina did not become an X-Men, did not go to New Mutants uh, after she got taken to Limbo by Belasco and returned, just goes in and lives by herself and is like going around the United States posing as an innocent woman child to be picked up by dirty old men and then punishing them. It's a weird thing going on. And then Stephen Strange shows up because she's using magic to punish these guys. And he's like, you know magic, but you don't really know magic. Come, let me teach you. And her response is, what kind of madman's first instinct after hearing what I endured under the guise of a sorcery apprenticeship is to then offer me the same thing? <laughs> because he does. Steven comes off as like a, well, I'm Belasco, but better. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but she ends up uh, staying and really leaning into her magical power side, which I think sometimes gets overlooked a bit in the X-Men books because X-Men writers, they treat magic, yeah, okay, it's kind of magic-y stuff, but uh, they usually just deal with her and her teleportation, her mutant power, a lot more than her magic side. Um, it also was the first part of a setup, Chad, I believe, for... The end. Doctor Strange. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so what ominous. Chad said. So ominous. <laughs> um, I will point out this. This came out in 2018. Magic is actually a sorcerer supreme. She's a sorcerer supreme of limbo, which uh, Marvel announced in 2001. Yes. Oh. Ah, there you go. So in that. this book, she's sorcerer supreme of Earth. And, and, and I think it's one and, of those books that you've been waiting for that to wrap up so we could. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. There, there's a big run on that. I believe it's still going on, so we're waiting for it to be condensed into a, a bit of a trade, and we'll hopefully uh, cover that on the last comic shop. So my recommendation is a book we already reviewed. If you've heard that show, uh, then you know how great it is, and hopefully you've picked it up. If you haven't, go back, listen to that review, and, and maybe you can uh, pick up the collection of what-if stories to get the really great What If Magic Became Sorcerer Supreme by Leah Williams with... <laughs> Great art by Philip Andrade. Get that what if book for that really great story and some other ones. <laughs> <laughs> and you should get that really great podcast where we talked about that particular book uh, in addition to all of other podcasts uh, by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find our entire library of evergreen reviews. Again, we do these shows, even though it's very niche. We do these shows in a purposeful way that you can go back and you can listen. If you saw one of our books on a past show and you're like, I've never read that one, but now you have. Go back and listen to our review now that you've actually read it. You'll get so much more uh, out of our uh, out of our podcast sometimes that way. And you can also find our podcast on YouTube. 
uh, as well as great interviews with comic book creators, as well as unboxings. And uh, hopefully we'll have some stuff. Uh, we're going to be going to some comic cons here in the next couple of months. And hopefully we'll have some, you know, interesting videos that we took at some of these comic cons. So some bonus footage for you out on our YouTube channel. Heck yeah. And we'll be at Three Rivers Con this June. We'll be doing the live stream for the Cure event coming up here. Next Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Yeah, you can tune in at from 11 to noon Eastern. Just go out to the website, www.livestreamforthecure.com, and uh, not only get some bonus Last Comic Shop content, but also help us raise some money for cancer research. So Yeah, and so you can find information about that and more on our Twitter and Instagram pages, at Last Comic Shop. You might also find our weekly polls that Jay puts up. You can find uh, Golden Age covers to put you to bed, what we're picking up at comic shops on a weekly basis, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, at last comic shop on your social media centers. And if you don't know where those are, go to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where they can find what else? J.A. Well, you can find a link to our merch store. We do not sell the cloak of levitation, oh. but we do sell some sweet t shirts. Be on the lookout. We've got a new design coming out just in time for the summer months. Yes, that's right. It's our summer spectacular special. Summer of Love t-shirts. <laughs> no, that's more 80s than 60s. It, it looks nice, though. It's like all banana yellow, and it's got some nice sunny graphics. It would make a good tank top or something that you can wear out on the beach. And I promise, it has absolutely no reference to craft work on there at all. I told you. <laughs> I feel like it's more Magnum P.I. than Jefferson Starship. <laughs> And uh, while we might be the last comic shop podcast, we don't want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to head out to your local comic shop where you might find What Disturbs You, Stephen, a collection of Doctor Strange and Peter Russell stories. Or you could find Doctor Strange by Jason Aaron, Chris Bocciolo, and others in omnibus form. Or you could find Triumph and Torment with Doctors Strange and Doom. Uh, and a fun little team up there. Or you could find What If, the most recent collection that has those stories with What If Magic Became a Sorcerer Supreme? What If Ghost Rider Went Metal? Norwegian Death Metal? Death, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. See, that's what, well, that's the, that's what we're going to have on our podcast from now on. Just Norwegian Death Metal. That's our that's our niche. <laughs> that's, that's a niche if there ever was one. Anyway, so yeah, find all that and more. If you need to find a local comic shop, go to www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And until next week, I was the host of the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And we hope that you stay safe, stay magical. And remember, what disturbs you the most of all is the fact that we didn't talk about the Doctor Strange movie, right? We're not gonna, are we going to talk about it? I already told you, if they've just skipped to this point, just got a little bit more skipping. Yeah, the show's not over. You, you know, you knew the show wasn't over. It's like the post-credit sequence of any MCU movie. Now it's 
We're going to give you the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness review. You've waited patiently through our comic book review, through our recommendations. Now, here's the movie review. Ta-da! Your fast-forwarding has paid off. There you go. This is the spot. So let's get it started. J.A., who is in this fantabulous movie? So we've got, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange for yet another time, Elizabeth Olsen reprising her role as Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. Yes, she has both names in this one, both names. Chiwetel Ejiofor returns, Benedict Wong, Xochitl Gomez as America Chavez, and Rachel McAdams as the on-again, off-again love interest of Doctor Strange. And Mean Girl. And Mean Girl, yes, yes. <laughs> and all of this, they're all put on the chessboard and played with and moved around by one Sam Raimi returning Woo-hoo! to the fold. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't drop all of the the cameos that we got. Oh, I could go, yes, we had loads of cameos. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before this happens, everyone should know spoilers are ahoy. Yes. You don't want spoilers. Get out. Right. If yeah. you've not seen this movie, where have you been? There was like a whole weekend. We didn't do this like the day after it, it was in theaters. This has like been five days. Go see it and then come back. There's Patrick okay, Stewart. Okay, so very, very old Patrick Stewart. Um, he, he did look very, very old. <laughs> as Professor X in a in, in the wheelchair didn't work for me. Right. I don't know. Well, and, and, and I don't know, like he was in that black turtleneck when he was in the dream sequence. And I'm just like, oh, he should eat some Wheaties. <laughs> and Anson Mount as uh, Black Bolt. He said as much in, in his little moment in this movie that he did for the entire Inhuman series. Yeah. Although I did like the comic accurate costume with the tuning fork on the head and all that. I, I, I dug that. I, I won't lie. We had I John Krasinski as Reed Richards, which was a weird casting. It, it's the fans been... wanted Jim from The Office. The fans got Jim from The Office. Yeah. I won't lie. I wanted to see it, too. Like, I, I didn't get my Emily Blunt as Invisible Woman, but, you know. Haley Atwell as Captain Carter, though, for most of it, I think it was just face replacement, and it was some WWE chick <laughs> doing a lot of the, the stunts. Because wow. it was, it got a bit uncanny valley for me. And then uh, Lashana Lynch came back as uh, Maria Rambeau, Captain Marvel, who's Maria Rambeau, Captain. Oh, Marvel. and you're, but you're forgetting about the greatest cameo that was in this movie. Bruce Where's Campbell. Oh, Campbell. Of course, it's a Sam Raimi movie. He's got to be in it. He also was... had the the best um, after credits scene. That's right. Yeah. It's finally over. You can leave. I, I was reading online that like he and Sam have such a good relationship that Sam will just call him up and be like, hey, what's up, baby? And he's like, oh, what do you got for me? Fine. When does it start shooting? And so I think that's awesome. I, I'm one of the people that instead of Stan Lee cameos from now on, Bruce Campbell should just make cameos and all the rest of the MCU movies from here. <laughs> just have him be the new watcher Stan. guy. Oh, and, and I forgot one. You had a one last cameo in the first extra credit scene. You had Charlize Theron come to the MCU. So if you're a big Charlize Theron fan, she is now officially in the MCU. She's Clea. Yes. There you go. She will later have sex with Ben Franklin. <laughs> you want a comic accurate movie, she eventually has to do it with a founding father. That's 
that's and he'll be played by Kevin from The Office. <laughs> to put that image in your head. Anyways, here comes the Tencent synopsis of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Scarlet Witch goes crazy. She wants her kids back. And so yep. she uses the Darkhold to basically break down the walls of reality to get American Chavez, who I guess is the only person in the entire multiverse that can move from multiverse to multiverse. Ultimately, she ends up in the MCU universe and Doctor Strange tries to help her escape from Scarlet Witch and ends up going to all these other places, including this one with like this lame version of the Illuminati anyways. And at the end of the day, you learn that like Wanda was crazy and that she should have never went after her kids to begin with and they were terrified of her and yeah. That was it. There was an awesome scene where Doctor Strange uses the Darkhold to make like a big cape of corpses. That <laughs> was, was cool. pretty badass. He made a big cape of corpses because he himself was a reanimated corpse of <laughs> himself. Right. Reanimated from the Matt Hardy Doctor Strange from Earth 868 or whatever. <laughs> But you also what? forgot that the end of the movie is Doctor Strange looking at America Chavez and saying, she had the magic inside her all along. She just needed to believe. Uh, I, I won't lie, there were a couple neat scenes, and that one with the corpses was one of them. The other one that I really love, and I'm, I'm just going to throw it out here from the beginning, was there's this one part where Doctor Strange goes into another universe where he fights a bad Doctor Strange, and they use music in a really interesting almost like Fantasia type way. It was also terrifying, but it was also very colorful and vibrant and alive. And it was like a really neat juxtaposition between the two things. If you're going to have like magic MacGuffin powers all over the place, that's an interesting way to show how magic works, I guess. I also liked how it built because at first it was just single notes getting thrown. And then he took the single notes and put them on a bar and sent them back as chords. And then he took the chords and built them up and sent them back as an orchestra. Yeah. It was probably my favorite sequence in the entire movie. For sure. Yeah. Like, I was going to say so much of the, the rest of the movie was a mix between superhero CGI, like, ooh, wait, our gold circles are going up against your red bubbles. Look out. Or uh, horror movie tropes, which are fun. But, uh, yeah. Do you want to unpack that one, buddy? Well, I uh, I, I assume I'll be the, the, the most down on this one. This movie was, was the most B-level movie, complete with a scene with a B, uh, <laughs> wrapped in a Sam Raimi candy shell that I had ever seen. Like, I was so excited going into this one because I thought, oh, this is going to get the MCU back on course. This is the movie that's going to get me uh, to care about Marvel. Like, not to say Shang-Chi or Black Widow aren't fun movies. Like, they're fine, but they haven't gotten me to care about any new characters. So I, I worry so much that Marvel is turning into Star Wars. And this was just like the most recent Star Wars movies. We're like, hey guys, is this what you want? Here, let's give you what you want. Was that fun? Good. No, it wasn't good. It was, <laughs> you put, you bring in the Illuminati, you bring in all these extra cameos, bring in these things that f fans are so excited about. But instead of caring about it, those characters are dispatched without any real you know, yeah. purpose or threat. Right. The plot itself, it just seemed very meh. And if it weren't for Sam Raimi and those little Sam Raimi touches, it, it could have been terrible. But at the same time, Sam Raimi, 
I'm not seeing the things I would need to see out of a Doctor Strange movie that would really wow me. Yeah, I um, it, it is kind of weird that like they introduce all of these great characters, especially like the John Krasinski Reed Richards, which has been again on the internet for like at least two years, just building up to him being revealed as like a Reed Richards somewhere. Within like five seconds, he just gets completely murdered. And it, the it, smartest it is, man is yeah. You, you don't think that the real Reed Richards would have come up with a defense? Or at least he would have had the Fantastic Four on his back. I don't know what happened. I mean, it was like one of the most unread moments I'd ever seen yeah, from a Reed Richards. Mm. I was like, no, no, this is a this is a Reed Richards that's a joke. And that's sad because we've been looking forward to what potentially John Krasinski could bring to Reed Richards. And, and we didn't see any of it, right? Yeah, I mean, when, when Scarlet Witch asked him if he had a wife and he said he did, I was wondering, oh, are we going to get Pam from the office show up as <laughs> Invisible Woman? Or, or where's Thing? Where's Human Torch? Where's anybody? Where's Herbie? Right. Come on, give me something here. I know it wasn't a Fantastic Four movie. And I know that would have, to Chad's point, it might have been more wasted cameos. But at the same time, like, if this was the Illuminati, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, the good thing is, is they didn't make you care about those characters at all. So when they no, were because they went out like chumps. Captain Carter getting sliced in half. You mean Captain Carver? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could do this all day. Like you would hear like the theater go, oh yeah, she said it. And then like she gets she gets dispatched. And, and I don't think they knew what they were doing with, with putting these pieces on the chessboard because I think Chad's brought it up before. That's what you get with multiverses. No stakes. You just bring in another version and you're like, here's that version now. We can kill them. Okay. Let's reanimate the corpse, Doctor Strange. All right, whatever. Like... <laughs> And what was your, because uh, I was always under the impression that the MCU was not the comic book Marvel Earth. It was a different <laughs> Earth. It was a different Ooh. reality. And they came out in the, and this is something that probably only really good, like, Marvel nerds care about. But MCU is apparently the 616. Yeah. Yeah. Of all of the things in this particular movie that made my hair stand on edge and made my teeth grind, it's when they said that this universe was the 616. Mm. And the MCU is the 616? No, no, no. That's that's a bridge too far, sir. That's playing with things that I don't like. And, and, and so I, I, I'm going down saying, like, that's because this Illuminati doesn't know what the hell they're talking about first. <laughs> and probably the real 616 Reed Richards, I don't know. He probably did some dimensional finagling, so you really can't find the, the 616 if you're looking for it. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a website URL reroute. You really can't find it. <laughs> it's because we don't want you to, because it's my universe and I'm Reed and, and I did some. I don't know. I, I just yeah. oh that 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 bothered. And how did you feel about Wanda just going full heel five well, minutes into the movie? I mean, there's no nuance to it. It was just like, I lost my kids and I'm crazy now because I need my kids. That's just I mean, it's bad writing. It's like you're you're going you're just gonna lean into that crazy mom trope totally. They did so much heavy lifting with that WandaVision series, and it was all thrown out the window. And then to see it just show up and be like, no, nope, she's a bad guy now, and she's going to use her magic powers to make bad decisions. Like, it's like, ah. Yeah. I mean, you, you could blame it on the fact that she was kind of corrupted by the Darkhold, and that seems to corrupt everybody. It has a price for using better. But ultimately, even though there was a lot of nuance with WandaVision, she did kind of get a pass in that show, right? 
she got a pass. She did take over the minds of an entire freaking town. And so this, I think, was a, a a natural progression of her not making the right choices. But you're right. She went from, like, being somewhat to completely Looney Tunes. And, like, and the so most I, part, they made her into the Scarlet Witch. That's her bad guy name. And her costume at, the, at those points, it was all black. <laughs> There were some good moments with her, and she did care. She was an all right villain in terms of like dri- driving the plot for. I really enjoyed the the scenes in Kamatage where she's uh, she's using the reflections again. Back to that Sam Raimi kind of interesting directorial yeah. choices using the the reflections to grab. I thought that was cool, but like going up to Wondagore, and you're just like, okay, we'll just where's where's High Evolutionary? Where's he at? Like, I, I, I get it. There's a there's a connection to Scarlet Witch, but like, eh, I don't know. Sort of interesting individual scene parts that kind of played off of like, oh, this is like a 1970s, 1980s Doctor Strange book. You know, it's weird, fantastical scenes and fantastical environments. Unfortunately, it's not a Sam Raimi Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie with a bit of Sam Raimi sheen on the top of it. For sure. Uh, I think, you know, unfortunately, the Marvel machine chewed him up a bit. I think if Sam Raimi had the reins a little bit more, he probably would have set part of the movie in the paint world. Yeah. I mean, they they mentioned it. They go through it. But I would have paid for that. That would have been (laughs) cool. I thought the worlds where they did go, they were just uninspired, boring ripoffs of our world. It wasn't anything special. And to piggyback off of that, like the best Sam Raimi movies, they have that that underlying heart, like in the first uh, two Spider-Man movies, or they have that underlying cool, like in the Evil Dead or the Army of Darkness. And this movie lacked both. Like there were cool things. It just felt like doing homework or checking boxes or... You know, like, it could have been so much better. And I think I'm being unduly harsh on the movie because the potential was there. It was just the execution was just so, like, okay, like, this is fun. And I enjoyed my time for my two hours that I was in there. And I thanked heavens that it wasn't a three- or four-hour-long movie like things we've been the last mm-hmm. few years. But, uh, yeah, it was just it was just okay. I, I was also, you know, the, the first villain at the beginning before you oh, know the yeah. was that looked like st- they just ripped off the creatures from uh edge of tomorrow that's oh. the tom cruise movie well let's get to our rating of this particular movie and uh what's our rating scale for it ja well one thing we didn't mention that i did like is the uh, return of the third so how many eyes do you give this movie <laughs> okay one eye is it two eyes are you going three I don't think anyone will be four eyes, but... I was going to say, where does the fourth one show up? Is it in the <laughs> back for slow know. dancing or what? You don't want to know. You know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start off with J.A. How many eyes do you have for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to give it two and a half. So, I mean, it doesn't sustain, but there are re- some really nice sections in it, and I found it much more enjoyable and a better movie on a whole than the first Doctor Strange movie, and maybe that's just because the first one, they had to do the whole character's beginning story arc, which is boring. Mm. I'm so tired of origin stories, so at least it wasn't an origin story, and I thought there were a lot of, mo- you know, the, the best Sam Raimi moments really felt like you know, an old 70s Doctor Strange, Strange Tales type 
storyline. Who cannot get excited about a reanimated corpse of a dead Doctor Strange being reanimated and taken over by another Doctor Strange and then having a bunch of corpse zombies who came to get the corpse turned into a cape? That's just cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Chad, what do you say? So I'm going to go 2.25i just because I, I wanted this movie to be so much better. And it really was just a meh movie with fun Sam Raimi parts like but you know what you're getting in a Sam Raimi movie so even when you get those it's like oh there's Bruce Campbell oh look, there's the hand popping out ah and the worst part is, is this movie does not exist by itself like I can't imagine seeing this movie if you haven't seen WandaVision and care enough about Wanda Maximoff which Elizabeth Olsen by the way does a killer job acting you know chewing the scenery as the bad guy here you know and she she shows her range but like since this movie doesn't exist unto itself, it really hurts it that it comes off the heels of the Spider-Man movie that just did the multiverse so much better. Like yeah. the Spider-Man movie was like, here are some characters you care about. Here's just enough to remind you why you care about them. Now let's have some fun with them. This one was like, hey, remember these guys? They're dead now. That's a really good point you made, Chad, that Spider-Man No Way Home, they treated the other Peter Parkers and the other bad guys so much better. It didn't yeah. feel just like fan service. I, uh, Lizard was a bit thing. fan service. Yeah. yeah. He didn't even show up. They just CGI'd him out of his old CGI part. And so I just, I, I expect better. And if this is the direction the MCU is going, I, I legitimately am nervous. Like, the magic isn't there, Stephen Strange. The magic is missing. We need to do something to find that magic that made the first round of Marvel movies stand above everything else as opposed to this that just kind of seeps in with the crowd or whatever. I don't know. Two, 2.25. I'm going to go a little bit higher than both of you. I think I'm going to give it a 2.75. This is kind of like a lore dump episode of the MCU show that we've got for like the last decade and I don't know, decade plus, you know, when you're ever, you're watching a long TV show and they just have an episode that just dumps a bunch of stuff that says like, yeah, we're going to, we're setting some things up for later. It's like, uh, I don't know. Iron Man two, like Iron Man two actually is not that bad of a movie. If you look at it in the larger scheme of the MCU. And I think this is the same thing. You get incursions for the first time, right? Incursions are a big deal because that might set up a uh, Secret Wars type story in future for all of those people that were big fans of the Jonathan Hickman run on Fantastic Four and Avengers leading up to the 2015 Secret Wars event. We've talked about it on this show before. Incursions are the big deal there. So like that for me, it was like, okay, I can get behind that. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, I think to Chad's point, It wasn't as good as the Spider-Man movie that dealt with the multiverse that we just saw. And one of the big things that I kind of thought to myself was like, why didn't we see any Doctor Stranges that weren't Cumberbatch? Because we just saw three different Peter Parkers. You're saying that every single universe just has one guy that looks like Doctor Strange and that's it? Or maybe, you know, you could say, oh, American Chavez was just taking him to the universes that she should have. And so he was just meeting the people that he needed to. I don't know. Regardless, it would have been nice to see some variation and playing with the whole notion of having multiverses. And if you're going to have multiverses, then to Chad's point, do them right. Don't kill your characters in a multiverse at the moment you bring them into it. I mean, it's stupid. Like, what is that? Like, it just makes you angry. And so, like, 2.75. 
Yeah, and, and to be honest, Iron Man 2, you get it just for Sam Rockwell dancing. <laughs> That's all you need. The rest of the movie, who cares? You get Sam Rockwell dancing. Yeah, to pick up the pieces. That's, it's a good scene. Anyways. That's all the time we have for Last Comic Shop this week. And for sure, this is the end of the show. Yeah, there's not another post-credit sequence. There's not another segment after this. We promise there's not another thing. So I hope you come back next week. We've got more of our movie mayhem with uh, the, the comic book version and the animated version of Persepolis. Did I say it Persepolis. right? Persepolis. Ah! There's no F. No H. Persepolis. Heart piece. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.